So he's in the kitchen right now making individual cups of coffee for everybody. So <laughs> I think he said only one cup or a half a cup per person today. <laughs> so um, you could do with that with what you want. Please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 today. 2 Corinthians. We're going to begin in chapter 1 and go to verse 11 today. We're in a summer series this summer called One for All and All for One. And we've been looking at the one another commands of the Bible. And all through the summer, as we sort of wind down our series, we've been taking a look at commands like love one another and bear with one another, be patient with one another, honor one another, pray for and forgive and serve one another and be at peace with one another. And today, because we live in a fallen world, we live in a broken world, and there's comfort that needs to abound in our lives, we are going to talk about how we should comfort one another. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is God's word for us today. In the Bible, 1st and 2nd Corinthians are two letters written to a church in a city called Corinth. The second letter to the Corinthians is probably the least known of all of Paul's letters. It's, it's sometimes called Paul's unknown letter. In 1st Corinthians, we read about the instruction and the training of this church at, at Corinth. But in 2nd Corinthians, where we're at today, we're looking at the Apostle Paul, really. He lays himself open and reveals himself to the church. It's very vulnerable. It's, very, it's a very personal letter from the heart of this church planter. The Bible calls 2 Corinthians, calls, calls this 2 Corinthians, but it could be called 4 Corinthians. 
because it's the last of four letters that Paul wrote to the church there. Now, two of these letters are, have not been preserved for us, and that's why we only have in our Bibles 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And Paul planted this church in Corinth about 53 A.D., and he stayed with that new church about a year to 18 months, and then he went to Ephesus, a city called Ephesus. While he was in Ephesus, he wrote the first letter to the Corinthian church. We'll call this letter number one, uh, which is lost to us. We don't, we don't have that letter. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, we read about this letter, and it's a stern letter that confronts the church on their worldly lifestyle. So after receiving that first letter, the, the church at Corinth responded and wrote back to Paul and said, we have questions about this first letter, this stern, confrontive letter. And so that letter back to them, this letter number two, is what we know today as 1 Corinthians, and that's what we have in our Bible. In that letter, Paul tries to answer these complex questions, and he encourages the Corinthians to live in Christ's power and his peace and his holiness. Now, apparently, that letter didn't accomplish what Paul wanted. And so he got frustrated, so he visited Corinth in person to try to clear some things up with them. But Paul describes that trip as a very painful visit. So he goes back to Ephesus, and while he's in Ephesus, he writes just a short letter, a a postcard, just a a note to him, and that's letter number three. And he he writes that letter to help the church and to ask, how, how are you doing now after my really tough visit I had? And when Paul hears back, he doesn't hear back from them in a letter, but from the letter carrier himself, he hears that the Corinthian church is doing well. And so with a lot of emotion, he's so relieved and grateful, he sends letter number four to the church, which we know today as Second Corinthians in our Bible. So with all this emotion and vulnerability, Paul writes to this church, his beloved church at Corinth, about pain and suffering and the comfort of God. It seems like we need this today. We, we really need the first 11 verses of 2 Corinthians today. We read about and hear about persecuted and martyred Christians throughout the world. We hear about sufferings of Iraqis and Syrians and those in the Middle East. We see on TV about the rumblings of war in the Ukraine and the starts and stops of fighting between Israel and Palestine. Thousands are dead and ill from the Ebola virus in Africa. There's a struggle for racial reconciliation in Ferguson, Missouri. And this is only a short list, isn't it, of stories that are on today's yahoo.com news page. And those are the stories that are global in nature, but I would think that each one of us right here today has a story of some discomfort you felt this week, some sort of struggle or some sort of pain that you have in your life, whether it be physical or emotional or spiritual or relational. And as Christians, it's, we ask, it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's okay to ask, God, why is there? Why is there such pain and suffering and evil in our world today? But I, I, I think maybe a, a question that, that Christians ask 
because we're so intimately involved with God is, where is God in all this anyways? If all this is happening, God, where are you in all of this? So today, let's take a look at the Bible in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, and we're going to take a look at this pain and suffering and the comfort that God offers and that we can offer to one another. In our text today that I just read, there's two words, two key words that stand out. The first word is trouble, or some of your Bibles translated affliction. Now, this is what in today's world we call pressure or stress. Not just a little bit, but a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. It's what many of you are feeling right now when you think about work tomorrow, right? You think about what Monday morning is going to bring. It's whatever ties your knot in stomach, and uh, knots in your stomach and makes you feel anxious and troubled about what lies ahead. This makes for hectic days and sleepless nights, and it gnaws continually at your mind and threatens your peace and your well-being. It refuses to go away. It refuses to leave you alone. And it depresses you, and it darkens your future, and it gives you thoughts of disaster in your world. It's similar to what this first century church and the first century churches lived with day by day. And Paul experienced this as well. But along with that, he experienced the comfort of God, and we'll look at that today. The second key word, the first key word is trouble or affliction. The second key word, we read it here, it's comfort. Now, this is just more than just a little bit of cheer or, or, or a word of encouragement. The word comfort here basically means to strengthen. And Paul experienced this strengthening of God to give him peace and a restful spirit and to, to meet the pressure and the stress with which he lived on a constant basis in his life. Comfort in the original language is a word that's also used throughout the Bible for the Holy Spirit. And, and you could frequently think about the Holy Spirit as the comforter. But really, he's the strengthener, really, because this word comfort means to strengthen. He's the one who strengthens you so that you can have comfort in your life. So let's take a look at this passage, our text today, from the perspective of that pain and struggles and Sufferings give us opportunities. And we'll take a look at this from verse 1 through verse 11. But the first point we can make here is that pain gives us the opportunity to experience the power of God. That's what Paul writes about here. That pain and struggles and sufferings give us the opportunity to experience the power of God. Now, how do you find the comfort of God, the strengthening of God, unless you're not under any pressure or any struggle. It takes the pain. It's, it takes pain, the, the, the pain of pressure and stress to discover what God can do. Otherwise, we'll really never know what God can do. And, and God will keep sending, it seems, this pressure, this stress, this struggle, until you begin to understand that. Now, Don't try to run from the struggle in your life like everyone else seems to be doing. We need to face up to it and do as Paul does by seeking these opportunities of struggle and stress to understand and experience the pain of God, or the the strengthening of God. Now, notice how Paul puts it in verse 5. He says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. The strengthening is exactly equal to the pressure. It, it, they, 
They go hand in hand, Paul writes about. And, and God allows discomfort in order that we might discover the inner strengthening that can keep your heart at peace and no matter what the pain or no matter what the pressure would be. Now, we see this all over the Bible. You can read this from cover to cover in the Bible. God does this great advancing work again and again when it looks like it's impossible for us. He splits the Red Sea when Israel is hopelessly trapped by Pharaoh's army. He gives manna to those who have no food in the wilderness. He stops the Jordan River so that the Israelites can cross it to go to the promised land. When his city stands in the way, he makes the walls fall down. When Goliath defies the armies of God, he picks a little shepherd boy with five smooth stones and a sling. When the Son of Man comes to the world, the Son of Man is born to a virgin who, is, who finds conception. And when the devil himself is to be defeated, it's a lamb that goes to the slaughter. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And it's almost like he says, and to do this, I need to suffer with him, sharing in his death. It's, it's, it's the power and the struggle has to be balanced out in that way. You're never going to know the power of God unless you experience the struggle of life. The first point is this. Pain gives us an opportunity to experience the power of God. The second is this. Pain gives us the opportunity not just to experience the power of God, but to comfort one another. In verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I, I, I think the more you grow as a Christian, the more this verse, these two verses become true. Your sufferings don't seem to be sent just for you. It's, it's sent for someone else, too. And when we complain and when we whine, about our painful circumstances and our struggles, we are not modeling for others that God can be trusted, that the scriptures are true, that we can get adequate support for what we're going through. But Paul says, when I suffer, Paul says, when I suffer, it's for your comfort. It, it's so that you might see what God can do is doing in me and what he can do through me, what he can take me through, he's going to take you through too. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, it's, he writes, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. We need to be patient, trusting God, that he's in charge, and that he's taking us through this, that he's not taking it away for now, but he's taking us through it. And in verse 7, he says, And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Now, I, I sometimes, and maybe you feel the same way, sometimes I feel like when I hear someone's struggle, when I hear someone's pain, when I hear someone's stress or pressure, I, I want to take it away from them. Don't you feel like that sometimes? 
I feel especially like this with my kids. Now, my kids are adults now, but I would love to spare. I would love to spare them from the pressure and the stress and from the pain. But if I've learned anything of having adult children, I've learned that I can't do that first. And second, I don't want to. Well, I want to. (laughs) But I know that that's not the right thing in every circumstance. Because they need to go through that struggle and that pain so that they can experience the comforter, the strengthener in their own life. And so as they do that, then they can know that God is the one who will sustain them. Not dad, not mom, not just a friend. This comes from God. Paul writes, and our hope for you is firm. He says, we... We heard that you're going through trials and difficulties and pressures, Paul would say. But we're not disturbed. We know that if you share our sufferings, you'll also share in our comfort. And the comfort is always worth what the sufferings bring. So he encourages us to work, to, to, to go through this, not to run from it, and not to avoid it. Notice that in this, this passage, the remarkable interdependence of the church that we're encouraged to share with with one another all that we have gone through. And and that's why Nova people need to share with one another their problems and their struggles, their failures and their victories and successes. We need to do that freely and we need to do that openly and so that we can encourage one another. Small groups begin and just about a month from now, after the, uh, the 1st of September sometime. And small groups gives us that opportunity to share our struggles and our pains, and our, we can celebrate victories together. But small groups help us make 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 come alive in our life. If you'd like to host a small group or facilitate a small group or be a part of a small group, be watching for your, in the, in the worship folder, you can talk to Pastor Dave, and he's overseeing that area, and, and, and we're getting together these small groups that are going to begin in about the middle of September. So pain gives us the opportunity, first, to experience the power of God, second, to comfort one another, and then pain gives us the opportunity, number three, to rely on God. It gives us that opportunity to rely on God. In verses 8 through 10, Paul writes, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, that he will continue to deliver us. Now, as we read this, we, we wonder, now what was this that Paul was going through? Now, we really don't know. Some people think it was a severe illness. But I, I, I think we can link this to Acts chapter 19. And so make that note in your, in your notes right now, Acts chapter 19, and read about this, where there was this great riot in Ephesus. And it was a threat to the lives of all the Christians there. It was a time that it appeared that the whole Christian cause was going to just fall apart. And all of Paul's 
years of hard work was just going to go to nothing. And you think about Paul with, with that riot and all that was going on that probably caused him a lot of emotional stress and there was a physical threat to his life at this time. He tells us that he was utterly, unbearably crushed. It's the lowest ebb of any human spirit you can get to. It's, it's the utmost sense of depression and despair. He was absolutely hopeless on this, and he had given up like there was just no way out. And he could see himself even losing his life at this point. But then he adds, but that was to make us not rely on ourselves. How important that is. What a, what a huge lesson for each and every one of us that these discomforts, these struggles happen in our lives for us to learn not to rely on us in our smarts, in our money, our bank accounts, the things that we have, even to rely on the friendships and family that we have, but it's just to rely on God. Pain comes in our life so that we can rely and trust in God. And one of the major reasons God sends suffering is to break the stubbornness within us. And here is Paul. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote Bible, right? He, he wrote most of the New Testament. He so plainly and clearly understood the principles of how God operates. And still, he had to be put through this time of testing so that he can learn to rely on God himself. And I think this is a major reason for suffering. It's, it is the pressure that's designed to destroy our determined stubbornness in our life. Paul comes to this conclusion here. He says, hey, God delivered us before, just like in the past. He's delivering us now in the present, and he will deliver us in the future. That was Paul's conclusion here. So pain gives us an opportunity to experience the power of God, to comfort one another, to rely on God. And the last one is this, so that we can experience authentic community, biblical community. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul writes, You have helped us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in the answer to the prayers of many. Once again, we see that suffering is sent to show us that we are not individuals living all alone in this life. We are members of a family. We are members of a body. And we need each other. We need each other. One for all. All for one. And when you have this difficulty, when you're going through a trial, we need to share it with others so that others can pray for you. That's what this verse says. In answer to many prayers, God will send a blessing that will awaken gratitude and thanksgiving in your life. So after every worship service, as you walk out into the foyer, if you have a prayer need, you can just turn left and go into the fireside room where there's people there who are going to pray with you, hear your, your struggle, hear your concern, and they're going to pray with you. Paul says, therefore, you must help us by prayer so that there will be great thanksgiving and great blessing that comes from many prayers. And this is the reason for our requests of prayer, that you can take that communication card and write on the back a request of prayer, sharing our needs with one another and enlisting the aid of others to pray and to, to love and to comfort, to strengthen one another. And this is the way Nova Community Church 
needs to respond to stress and to pressure and difficulties and trials and struggles because God has brought us together, one for all and all for one. That's why we're here. And God has allowed pain, and he's allowed suffering, and he's allowed stress and pressure as opportunities that we might learn, again, this mystery of God's strength and comfort and God's peace that can quiet your heart even though you're going through a time of of trouble. In John chapter 16, Jesus honestly tells his disciples, just hours before he bears the sin of the world and goes to the cross, he tells them about what's about to happen to him and to them. And in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, Here on earth you will have many trials and many sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I've taken care of your greatest problem, that you have sin in your life, that you've disobeyed God. I've taken care, I've overcome all of that. And if I've overcome that, I can overcome that little discomfort that you're having right now. I can overcome that physical pain or that disease that you have in your life. I can overcome any emotional stress, any vocational stress, any relational conflict in your life. There is a reason for your suffering and pain. And even though you might feel all alone at times, you don't have to be. God's present with you, and you have a church family that's willing to listen to you and to pray for you and to reach out to you. He has provided for you this caring and loving and accepting and prayerful church family here at Nova. And we know that we've learned today that pain gives us this opportunity that we might experience the power of God, that we might comfort one another. Pain comes into our lives so that we can trust in God and rely on him And pain comes in our life so that we can experience this authentic community that God is building here. Let's pray together. Dear Father, how thankful we are for what you've brought together at Nova Community Church. God, that we can look into your scriptures and And know why pain and suffering, even evil, discouraging news and stress and pressure comes into our life. God, thank you that we can comfort one another. But more than that, that the Holy Spirit comes to us as the comforter, the the strengthener in our life that brings us peace. And so, Father, may we be people who not always ask Why? May we be people to receive the discomfort, the struggles in our life, and see the power of God evident in working in our own lives so that we might comfort one another with the same comfort that we've experienced. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we are celebrating